The following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit. Yet completely trivial. Football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. It's coming to you live on tape on this Saturday, December 23rd, 2003. Saturday. What am I? I'm trying to get into the Tommy DeVito thing. I'm German, English, and Irish. I'm not even close to Italian. But anyway, uh, Saturday, December 23rd, 2023, week 15 of the NFL season. And Christmas is coming along. We've got two games today on Saturday. Then on Christmas Eve, we've got a whole slate on Sunday. And then that'll bleed over into Sunday where we get not one, not two, but three Christmas games on Monday, including an awesome Monday nighter featuring what most would probably say is the Super Bowl preview right now. Some people might throw KC in there, but I think right now the majority lean toward the Ravens as being the best all-around team in the AFC, but the AFC is kind of potluck right now. But anyway, as I was saying, we get to finish the Christmas weekend with the 49ers hosting the Ravens on Monday night. So as we begin the week, it's funny, I I, I don't know why I follow, but I've got a fascination with hate following select individuals. One of being Mina Kimes. Now, I don't know Mina Kimes from Eve, right? But, and I, can you say, I don't know fucking a girl from Eve, or is it only I don't know him from Adam, right? I, I don't know. Anyway, so I don't know her. So if I did know her, maybe it would be cool. We hang out. We throw back some beers. I don't even know if she drinks, but whatever. I, you know, have a good time. But I don't, so I can hate on her all I want. So anyway, I follow her only because look, there are an infinite amount of people, like yours truly, uh, my brother included, that like to sit and talk about the NFL. And the ones that you hear about more than not are the ones that are on mainstream media that are shoved down your throats. Now, if you want to go out into the podcast sphere, there is infinitely more. And I think nowadays, I think the better content you get is actually with podcasts and shows, independent shows, rather than your ESPN, CBS, Fox, all the rest of it. But ESPN is the egregious of, most egregious of all of them in terms of selecting talent that they just want to force feed you regardless of if that talent is good. Just go look at their their Sunday rundown show now. I, I mean, come on. You, you know, like Rex Ryan, give me a break. Dan Orlovsky, enough. I, it's just, it really, it, it just is insulting to the viewers, especially ones for decades that you've dumbed down shit to this. Now, back in the day, yeah, sure. Uh, Tom Jackson and, and Berman were a lot of fluff too, but I think they were probably way more entertaining than what ESPN gives you now, right? So if you're not going to give great content, give something entertaining. I mean, at times, I, I don't know. People really love her. And those that love her, you know, you say one bad thing about her and they'll come after you. You know, I mean, they're not as rabid as, as Swifties, but 
I have never seen it. And I laugh at it because her Twitter follow, she writes, basically, she tries to go deep data, but then when she's in the moment, she sounds like Magic Johnson. She writes shit like, this McCaffrey guy can play some football. (laughs) Oh, all right. Congratulations. You know, or something along the lines of, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson can really make plays. I mean, Aha. okay, great. But it <laughs> it's just amazing to me that she's the one that ESPN has chosen to hitch their wagon to, along with all the rest of them. And so anyway, she was on Twitter yesterday and she was talking about the San Francisco Baltimore game. And basically her point was, if there's anybody, you know, San Francisco's a juggernaut, I think that's how she referred to them. And if anybody was to give them a game, it would probably be this Baltimore team. And so then she goes into a clip where she talks about the game and her point. And her point is basically that Baltimore gets a lot of yards after contact or yards after carry. I her whole point was basically that the 49ers struggled tackling. That's what it was. Y- you can say it however you want, throw in whatever stat, but she was saying they run the ball good and San Francisco's weak between the tackles and they and they basically don't tackle well. Without saying they don't tackle well, right? It was So and I just scratched my head. I just okay. And so for that reason they could give them a run. Fine. The problem I have with that is that with Lamar Jackson, if you get down multiple scores late in the game and he's forced to pass, that's when I question what Lamar Jackson could do in that game. And the point about that was more along the lines of Mina Kimes saying, well, sure, you're making an argument that Baltimore can run the ball Gets all those yards after contact. San Francisco can't tackle, so Baltimore will give them a run for their money. Okay, maybe, but what happens if they go down two scores? It was just, I mean, whatever. She's got to make content. She's got to put it out there. And I just thought it was so point-specific, right? I mean, yeah, okay, that could happen. But I think the bigger risk to consider is going down multiple scores against that San Francisco offense and then having to see Lamar Jackson dig them out of that hole. Not saying that he couldn't, but that's the risk. Because I don't think he's a great passer. And that's what I wrote on Twitter. And so I, the, the rebuttal that I wrote ended up being, uh, I, unless, of course, San Francisco goes up two scores and then Lamar has to pass, after which he'll fail because regardless of how much the media pumps the kid, he's just not a great passer. I, that was not received well by a couple of diehard Raven fans. So this one guy, T'Challa, he wrote uh, bookmark, thank you. Uh, This other guy, Jordan, he threw a ton of stats. And to Jordan's credit, the stats that he threw out, I mean, I'm not arguing against them. I I mean, Lamar has solid stats. And if you, there was another one that I read on Pro Football Focus. So Jordan was like top 10 passer rating, completion percentage, QBR, yards per attempt, yards per completion, but he's not a great pack passer, multiple smiley crying faces. I also saw PFF wrote that I think he was 93.1 either QBR maybe when traveling outside the pocket. Again, so when he gets outside the pocket, he's making a passing play, makes shit happen. 
And all that could be argued against. Rich, you don't know what you're talking about because, you know, he's obviously a great passer. I mean, okay. I think my argument here has been the same over X amount of years. And that is, he's not a great passer. And I'm defining that in the sense of his ability to make throws as designed in an offense. As an offensive play caller is designing the play to go, reading the checkdowns and going, and making those plays accurately. I think where Lamar ends up making up for that deficiency and where his greatest skill set is, is his ability to make plays with his feet. And I don't mean necessarily just running, but I think that a lot of his passing stacks get amplified because of his ability to scramble, thereby extending plays, allowing receivers to get open, right? Or then taking the ball on his own and rushing for gains, right? Making plays happen with his feet. But, oh, and and then to couple that, and this will actually feed into a point that I make, and it helps me along. So there was another tweet that came up, and and. I think the individual said something effective. Oh, well, let's not forget about the game versus the Rams. And it's funny because I had just watched the Rams game last week. Uh, I rewatched it because I didn't get to see it except for the ending of it, which everybody knows was the punt return with a block in the back and, and the guy ended up going, eh, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was a clip. I, I probably wouldn't have called it because I don't think that that guy was making the tackle. Uh, so why would you throw the flag up there? But uh, by the letter of the law, it was a block in the back. So I I did watch that game. And while I was watching that game, I kept saying to myself, like, holy shit, can you hit one of these open guys? There was a couple of throws that he made to OBJ. OBJ made them, and they were long bombs. But on two of them, and I think one might have been a touchdown, OBJ had to adjust as he was going downfield because the ball... And he was wide open, was not hitting OBJ in stride, so he had to adjust back and, you know, figure out where the ball was. That happens to quarterbacks all the time, so, you know, you don't want to drill down too much on a couple of instances. However, the the point was that they were really wide open. So, like, maybe one of two could you hit him in stride and so that he didn't have to, like, turn around, struggle, come back for it, whatever. But elsewhere in that game, I think Baltimore probably could have been up even more if Lamar had made some of these other downfield throws with infinitely more accuracy than he did, and ones that were incomplete because he was just off by a mile. And those are the plays that I'm talking about, and those are the plays, to me, that define a good versus a great passer. I think that he can throw balls over the middle, right, or the short distance, Let's say that, like, you know, four to seven range. If you want to go a little farther down, yeah, I mean, he can scramble a little bit and make maybe a couple other passes. But I'm never sitting back with him thinking he's got control of the passing game and I don't have to worry about it. I'm thinking to myself, all right, he's got to make something happen a little bit with his feet here, maybe hit an open receiver. Get a couple of, you know, connects short to keep the chains moving. It, it's not the typical thought process between behind a good passer. 
And that's always been my knock on them ever since they brought in. But, you know, it's not that you can't win that way, right? So take New England, for instance. When New England lost Brady, New England redid their entire team. And they basically were going to do what the Ravens started doing. I, I guarantee you, you know, without knowing shit from Shinola, that Belichick's intent going into the year after Brady was to do a straight run ball control offense. He brought in Cam Newton for crying out loud. Right? Trying to replicate and play defense, trying to replicate basically what the Ravens had committed to when they drafted Jackson and then reinvented the entire offense around him and what his strengths were. And my argument is that one of those strengths is not his pure passing ability. And so that that was my point. But if you take Lamar and put him into other offenses, you know, I do think he works. Right, look, I'm a Giant fan. I have Daniel Jones under center. I take Lamar Jackson 10 times out of 10 over Daniel Jones. You know, and along with other quarterbacks. You know, take him, take Lam- take Lamar and put him in San Francisco. I think he can run that offense okay. I don't think he runs it as good as Purdy, but I think that it would change. And I think he hits a lot of that short stuff well. I think he would make plays elongate as he does, and that would probably open up things downfield. Now, whether or not he makes that those throws, that's a whole other story. But I think San Francisco could have success with Lamar. And they went for Trey Lance. Remember, they drafted him. And I think that they, you know, I mean, if you followed anybody that was part of the Trey Lance pom-pom crew, that's all they talked about was his ability to run. And to the point that when Garoppolo was in there against Green Bay in the playoffs, all people wanted to do was see Trey Lance in there. Because they were like, oh, imagine what he'd be doing on the ground. And what Shanahan? Okay. And I remember kept tweeting. I was just like, yeah, Shanahan doesn't know what he's doing here in the playoff game. Because Trey Lance is the fucking answer. But... I think Lamar would translate okay to San Francisco. I don't think he would translate well at all to Miami, where it's all based on like precision windows and timing, and it's just not what I see as Lamar's strengths. And then flip him over to Kansas City. I think Lamar actually would help Kansas City in their current state because they don't have the wide receivers. So they need to make things happen in other ways. And as great as Mahomes is, I think that Lamar is probably better on the ground and elongating plays to the point that he probably would get you stuff on the ground that Mahomes can't and might be able to generate you generate offense in a different way. However, if you had the wide receivers to make that offense go the way that they they wanted to go and it should be going had they not let go of Tyreek or at least replace him with somebody better than what they have, then no, I don't think Lamar works in the Kansas City offense. And then take it versus the Rams offense. And McVay, I don't think Lamar works at all in that offense. I just don't. You know, so it it's just a critique of the kid as I would want my offense run. And my thoughts of, of him being a passer. And look, he could go and end up winning the Super Bowl, throwing the ball 400 yards, and make me look like a fucking fool. It wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last. So I could, but that's the way that I see it. And it's funny because this whole thing is just generated off a tweet that I wrote 
toward Mina Kimes, which was basically just about her complete sloppy, unengaging, to me, uninteresting persona and football, you know, expertise, which I just, I can't get, is it shtick? Is it expertise? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm never entertained by it, and so I'm always turning it off. But for whatever reason, because I'm psychotic, and you can ask my fucking therapist, I continue to follow her so that I could, you know, whatever, read it and then just laugh at, at how stupid I think. I, I, you know, a healthy thing would just to be, you know, let it go and just not follow the people that you don't like. But for whatever reason, I, I'm fascinated by, you know, follows that just rub me the wrong way. I don't know. I, I'm, you know, like I said, uh, not so, you know, a couple uh, crayons short of a, a of a full box. So uh, anyway, T'Challa and Jordan and uh, I don't know, there was a third that I didn't even know. It was a completely random. I think it probably was like a high school kid. I just a boring, you know, name. Anyway, uh, all the best to your team. And I hope you win. I'm, I'm a giant fan. I have not had any kind of success since 2011. And I've been was begging for change all along, and I would love to have had a quarterback at any given point, right? Because I wanted Eli out, and then I wanted another quarterback, and we never got one. It's just been a nightmare. And I would love to have Lamar Jackson. So I wish you guys and the Ravens all the best. Uh, I unfortunately I just don't think he is a great passer. So that that's that. So I just pissed away uh, a good like fifteen minutes of that, but it was funny and engaging because it's cool to think about these things and then try to you know pick and flip quarterbacks in different positions and think about systems and what would be successful and what wouldn't be successful and then how do you make the argument for that because you're probably not get to see it and to me that's where the enjoyment and engagement is and and that's what I dig about football and you know basically broadcasting in general right it's just a you're all sitting having a beer bullshitting and is it fun to talk about or not and can you you know make some laughs i wish i could make more laughs but you know if i could be a better comedian i think that's what i would strive for in my daily life uh, routinely you know crack another couple jokes here and there uh, i like to trap crack some but I uh, wish I could crack more. Anyway, uh, we'll get into it here. We will dive into stats real quick and then go through the games. Uh, my brother will not be joining, obviously, as you probably could tell at this point. Uh, it's just too crazy with, uh, I, you know, Christmas Eve tomorrow, Christmas the next day. He was running around going nuts, and I'm trying to slide this in here before I take my kid to wrestling. So we'll go through. I'm going to do uh, two big games after the stats. So first down stats, second down couple games, third down we'll run down all of the games with our picks. And then fourth down, we will give you all of the gambling picks for the week. Uh, All the stats that I provide will be compliments of the Action Network app, and all of the spreads will be compliments of DraftKings pulled a little while ago, around uh, probably around 10.30-ish. So I'm recording this around 11. So, uh, or maybe 10-ish, let's say. So without further ado, let's rock and roll. First down. down. All right, so with our best bets, Chris and I both lost. No good. We went with Philadelphia last week, and if you watched the Monday night game, you saw exactly what happened. Drew Locke ended up 
winning that one at home against the Eagles, who are just reeling. So anyway, that puts my brother at 50% on the year, and I am not as good. I'm at 38%. As for our super picks, I was even at 2-2. Two and two. Chris was 3-2. and two. He still got me there, 53% to my 49. The 272, where we pick all of the games each week. I was 4-7. and seven. Chris was 5-6. and six. I still have him, but barely. I'm just a hair over. A coin flip, 51%. Chris is at 48. How do we do against all of the rest of the players, that being the Sharps, the money, and the tickets? Well, they everybody last week was under 500. On the year, the tickets are still ahead of everybody at 54%. So Joe Public still winning as we continue on here into week 16? 16? Week 16. I think I said 15 earlier, and I think I was wrong. Uh, and the money is at 50%, and then the sharps are at 47%. Uh, parlays. Uh, I did not hit any, neither did Chris. I hit my teaser. Um, about 35% on the year, which is where I, I've been struggling because teasers is where I've kind of made my bones, although I think going back and looking at it, I think I probably have to lay a little bit more into single bets. If you look at you know, if you try to track any, you know, public, uh, you know, Action Network app, for instance, where people publicly announce their bets and they try to track them so that you can see it, there's, there's infinitely more just single games rather than parlays and teasers because, you know, you got to link the games and it, it's zero-sum situation when you end up doing teases and parlays. So, but anyway, 35% on the year for the teases. I hit mine last week. Uh, let's go to the trends. Favorites were 9-4 and four last week. All four dogs that covered ended up winning. So dogs winning outright on the year are 78%. Home dogs 2-3. and three, They're under 50% on the year. Unders were good versus the overs 8-7. to seven. Unders on the year 57%. As for the teases, favorites were big last week. They were 12 and 2. Uh, dogs were 8 and 7. As for the overs and unders, they were both 10 and 5. So across the board there, teases still, you know, settling in a hair above 70%. With the exception of the overs, they've struggled all year. Obviously, that has been documented well going into week, you know, two, three. Uh, so they're at 66% teases on the overs for the year. Teams with a halftime lead, they were 10-4. and four. You want to know the four teams that blew it? You blew it. You gave me a chance and you blew it. It ended up being Tennessee, Minnesota, Atlanta, and then Philadelphia on Monday night. Those fucking Eagles. Screwed up my bet. Screwed up my best bet. Screwed up Chris's bet as well. So that's how that went down. And uh, all of those, I, I mean, you know, Tennessee, Minnesota, Atlanta, Philadelphia, they all should have closed it out. Wait for the one week that you get all of the teams that were winning at halftime to lock it in. But uh, we have not seen that yet. So without further ado, we will hop into the games. Like I said, we've got a ton. There's two great ones, which we all know about. And I think those are the two that we're going to, I'm not going to do three this week. Chris is in here. Rather fly through this thing. So we'll dive into it and we'll dive into the first game, which will be four o'clock on Sunday. Second down. Second down. And that game will be in Miami. Yeah. So what we'll do is fly out to Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins will be hosting the Cowboys. Dolphins, two point favorites over Dallas right now. 49 and a half is the over under. The Sharps are going to come in on Dolphins. 52% of the tickets, so just a hair above 50% are on the Dolphins. But then, when you look at where the money is right now, in the money pool, it is all for the Cowboys. 
84% of the money pool is in on Dallas on this one. So where do you go? You think about the game. You got Miami, who has had a phenomenal year. Their line has been banged up all week. It looks as though only one of the of their linemen is actually going to have a designation going into Sunday. So that's a bonus. But, I mean, come Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever it was, I don't think any of them practiced, or they, they, they're all out. So... You have Dallas' defense, which, while has not was not great last week, at least, has had a solid year going up against a banged-up line. You think that that would be advantageous for them. However, if Miami can get a semblance of a line and they were they perform at you know seventy-five percent, is that good enough to hold off the defense, get some points on the board? for Miami and then force Dak Prescott to pull the game out for him. Because what we've seen on the road for Dallas, again, well-documented, go watch any other show, is that they struggle. And Dak Prescott, i admittedly not a fan. And when we talked about this last week, Chris and I, I said, I, you know, my fear about Dallas going into last week's game is that Dak is just going to stink up the joint. And he did. And he's terrible. And I think that's going to be the problem for Dallas here on out. And why you're just not confident as a Cowboy fan going into a Super Bowl at a neutral stadium, neutral field, because Dallas, for the most part, needs to be home. They need to be home. They can't go on the road. And so for Dallas to get to the Super Bowl, number one, they got to lock in the NFC East. And, you know, Philly's trying their damnedest to help them out with that. And if they do that, they get a couple of home games, but ultimately they're not going to catch the 49ers, barring some unforeseen, you know, miracle for them, not for the 49ers. Let's say Purdy gets hurt, McCaffrey gets hurt, you know. Whatever factor that screwed up that offense for that three-game stretch, something happens similar to that again. But minus that happening, Dallas is going to end up coming in here. You know, the best they could probably do is the two seed. So they're going to have to go into San Francisco, and Dallas on the road in San Francisco against San Francisco is going to be a slaughtering. It's just—I mean, it's not even going to be funny. They're—they're going to bring out the chain gun, and they're just going to just whack Dallas. It's going to be flying all over. And of course, I couldn't do that quick. I couldn't move my fingers damn fast enough to get the chain up. But they're supposed to be infinitely faster. Uh, anyway, so that's the problem that Dallas has from here on out. Is what do you do on the road, right? And can Dak pull some semblance of a functional offensive performance on the road? Here, I don't know. You know, Miami's defense is good, not great, right? But I think their offense is probably going to put the pressure on Dallas's offense to score. And I think if you put pressure on Dallas to score and keep up with the Joneses, on the road is where you have the biggest question mark. Now, for me, I was really questioning why this was a two-point spread. You want to do the the three-point home, you know, favorite, then... Dallas is a one-point favorite in this game if you take that away. Um, And I just don't, I don't know. I don't know what Dallas has shown to the betting public 
that they would be getting this amount of love. I guess it's going to be the injuries for the Dolphins in this one and the and, and the defensive line allowing Michael Parsons and the rest of it to kind of wreak havoc. You know, look, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Tua as well, but I think Tua in that offense is completely functional minus him getting knocked out for the game, which I you know, I'm, hey, I thought that was going to happen a long time ago based on what happened last year and he's been in there and I mean, he hasn't even come close to taking a big hit that's made you say, "Oh, there it is." You know, that's the one we were waiting for. Um, so at a certain point, you just got to say, no, uh, you know, accept the offense for what it is. Again, Tua's great article in The Athletic. I think I talked about it last week, but they went through the tiers of the quarterbacks talking about Tua, and they were talking about how, you know, his greatest asset is his ability to throw these balls in these windows that timing-wise work perfect for Miami and McDaniel and that offense. So give me the Dolphins here. And the two points. My brother also is going to take the two points and the Dolphins in that one. So we're both here on the Cowboys along with the Sharps in a small uh, fraction of the tickets. That's probably going to change by the time 4 o'clock Sunday rolls around. But I I can't see the money changing. So the money pool right now, big on Dallas. So that'll bring us to the second game, which will feature the aforetalked-about Lamar Jackson, as the Ravens are going to go on the road here on the West Coast, facing off against the 49ers. San Francisco, a six-point favorite now. Over-under is 47. The Sharps are in on San Francisco. Meanwhile, the tickets and the money are on the Ravens. Just a small amount of the tickets at 54%, but a ton of the money, just like the Cowboys, 81% here right now on the Ravens. Obviously, with the last game of the weekend, that is bound to change as you know if you're not familiar with it when it comes down to gambling all the money ends up amplifying as you get closer to the last games of the week so this is the final game of the week so i imagine that by the time this kicks off you're going to see a lot of these numbers change but we do it for the here and the now and this is when we are recording it and those are the numbers so lamar jackson and lamar jackson's fans you're going on the road here and i think he probably I, I would have a beef with a six-point spread. And if I am part of the Raven locker room, I am posting the six-point spread all over the place. And I actually think that went up. I'd have to check the line, but I think it was at five or five and a half, and now it's all the way up to six. And that's your motivation right there because this line is basically saying not only do we not think that you could win, but we are going to make this spread six so that all the teases have to do is put San Francisco in with something else and you're going to get San Francisco at a coin flip. So, I mean, there's really no respect being given here to the Ravens. Who do you pick? I don't know. How did the Ravens win this one, right? And I think it probably would end up being the, you know, the famous... 90 Giants Super Bowl, you know, design, which is, you know, how the Ravens are designed. And, I, you know, like New England tried to redo their team a couple of years ago, but that is ball control, run the ball, play hard defense, and just smack up, disrupt the offensive system. Now, it worked in 90, right? The Giants against the Kagon offense. I don't know if 
and again, this is something that's been mentioned before. I, I just don't know if defenses have the ability to neuter slick offenses anymore. Because the physicality has been so removed from the game that what you would want to do to bang up this San Francisco offense is just play super physical, not dirty, but physical football. And I just have a feeling that the more you do that, the more you're just going to see flags and flags and flags. And that's another net negative for this style of football. Uh, I can't offensive defense because they, they, they feed into each other, right? So, but this design is that the more physically you play and the way that I think that Baltimore would get the victory here is you would end up seeing more and more flags the way the game is being officiated this year because the refs kind of just don't know what they're doing. They're a little scared. They're throwing flags before they should because they'll figure they can take them back. You know, they're afraid to... to miss the flag rather than throw the flag and, you know, adjust. It's just, it's been a shitty year for officiating, and it definitely has had a material effect on the product. And in this game, I think that it could come into play should Baltimore do what they need to do to win. Six points is a lot. We're talking gambling here. Can San Francisco really pull off the six? My my brother's going to take the Ravens on this one. He does not think so. He, he, I mean, I don't have him here, but I would imagine his argument would be, dude, the Ravens are really fucking good, and they're going to be six-point dogs on the road. Like, give Baltimore a shake here. And I fully understand it. I, I just think the 49ers at home right now, the way that they are playing, and again, I'll go back to that Rams game which was in Baltimore, right? Because I think the Rams offense currently and at that that there was only a couple of weeks ago is it's not equivalent but is similar to, you know, the 49ers in the sense of what they do, a lot of motion, you know, a lot of action, it's it, very strategized, you know, it's not based off, you know, broken plays and extended play, you know. I mean, they're not the same offense. Shanahan, I think, is a much better coach than McVay. Uh, McVay's a fine coach. I am not on the McVay bandwagon like everybody else has been all, all these years. Um, I, Shanahan's infinitely better. I think the 49ers right now, I, I just don't, I, I think that this is going to get away from the Ravens because, like I said, referring back to that Rams game, if you need to make big plays here and connect downfield, I just I have not seen Lamar do it, and I'm now you got to do it not at home like the Rams, but on the road in San Francisco, and that's a gigantic question mark for me. And so, if the 49ers were playing a little bit choppier and not as strong as they were, I definitely have a bigger problem with this six. But the reason that it is six is because they're playing so lights out. So. I'm going to take the six. Me and my brother are going to be on opposite ends here. So give me the 49ers and the six points. Chris will end up taking the Ravens. So those are the big games. Let's fire down the rest of these games and then get to all of our gambling. 
Third down. Two games today. Bengals versus the Steelers. Bengals on the road. Road favorite here by three points. 38.5 is the over-under. Chris and I are both going to end up taking the Bengals here in the first game, which kicks off, I think, around 4.30 here. 4 or 4.30 on Saturday. Next game is going to be in Los Angeles. Going to see the Chargers taking on the Bills. Bills, a huge road favorite here. 12 points. 44 is the over-under. For me, the 12 points ends up being just a little too much. It's the first game after getting rid of Staley, so you always see some kind of you know vibe out of the teams once they fire a coach that they just wanted to get rid of. Unfortunately for the Chargers, they're going to have a lot of people out, one of which is Keenan Allen, and with a backup quarterback, I, that definitely is not a bonus. I, I don't know. I just didn't think the 12 points is too much. My brother does not. He's going to take the Bills. He's been taking he's been on Bills all year long. So we're on opposite ends that one. Let's go into the Sunday 1 o'clock games. Lions are a three-point favorite on the road in Minnesota. Over-under is 47.5. <clears throat> Pardon me. That's what everybody wants to hear. Me coughing in the microphone. I don't have a cough button. I'm in the basement doing a podcast. Uh, podcast machine. I guess I could have turned my voice down. Well, what am I talking about? Let's get back to the Vikings. Vikings, three-point dogs at home. We're both going to end up taking the Vikings. So give us both the Vikings there against the Lions. And then the question mark for me, at least, with Detroit is as great as Johnson is as an offense coordinator and Campbell's got these guys going. I just can't trust Goff. And I, it is Nick Mullen. I, you know, <laughs> picking Nick Mullen over a, a Lions team that's been the same all year long. Um, I just think the Vikings team has everybody back now. And, I, you know, I like. Connell's head coach, so you know, give me give, give me the Vikings. I, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Let's rip through these. Packers, Panthers, this game in Carolina. The Packers are four-point favorites on the road. I'm going to take the Panthers here. My brother's going to end up taking the Packers. Packers obviously need this one to stay in playoff contention. Another big playoff game is going to be in Atlanta. This game is actually flopped. So and I, I don't know the time period that it did, but when I first started putting the lines together, the Colts were a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And then I went back right before we started the uh, podcast, and the Falcons were then a two-point favorite. So right now, the Falcons are favored by two-and-a-half. 45-and-a-half is the over-under. Regardless of what happened, the Colts have won five of six games. So b- give both me and my brother the Colts here on this one. Browns are going to be traveling to the Texans. Texans are going to be another home dog here. They're going to be uh, underdogs by three points to Cleveland. And if you think there's a lot of home dogs, there are. There's eight this week, which is unbelievable. Eight home dogs in week 16. Uh, But Texans are going to be a three-point dog here. Uh, Give Cleveland to both my brother and I. We're both in on that one. You know, obviously there is no C.J. Stroud in this for Houston. And I think that is a question mark. You know, they were able to pull it off last week. Uh, but I don't know about here. I, You know, Cleveland's got a good defense, and I'm going to give it to them and, and <laughs> Sergio Flacco. <laughs> the guy's such a bum, but whatever. It's working right now for them. Let's head to East Rutherford, New Jersey, where the Jets are going to be taking on the Commanders. Jets are favored by three points. Give me and my brother both the Commanders. I, Jets, I think, are going with Trevor Simeon in this one. I, you know, enough. Enough with the Jets. I, Sally, they're probably going to keep them because they're probably going to try to keep the ship together for next year to try to run it back because it's probably what Rodgers wants. But, man, I, what has Solid done to keep his job? I, it's just it's in years of this already. I, I just don't I don't see it. Give, give us both the commanders. Final 1 o'clock game. 
It's going to be in Tennessee, another home dog. Titans, three-and-a-half-point dogs to the Seahawks. ton of injuries for the Titans, including their quarterback. They don't know if Levis is going to go today. Uh, you know, If not, it's going to be Tannehill. Seahawks have been fighting, you know, admirably. Uh, I, I'm going to take the Titans, though, here on this one. My brother's on the opposite side. He's going to take the Seahawks with whatever quarterback they throw up. It doesn't even matter at this point. It's like a coin flip. It was supposed to be Smith last week. Then they went to Locke. Locke won it. Uh, you know, what does it matter? The Seahawks are somehow getting it done in some of these spots. I don't think it's going to happen here on the, on the road, although the Titans have shown nothing, especially last week when fucking Derrick Henry had, like, what, zero yards rushing? Uh, but for whatever reason, I like Tennessee here. My brother does not. That takes us to the 4 o'clock games. The first one's a good one. Uh, Jaguars-Bucks in Tampa Bay. Bucks a one-and-a-half-point home dog here. Jaguars' question mark ends up being whether or not uh, Lawrence can clear the protocol because he suffered a concussion last week, and I think he didn't practice up until yesterday. He got a limited one in, but now they're going to have to see whether or not he clears it. Otherwise, it's going to be uh, C.J. Bethard or whatever. I, you know, whatever. I, it doesn't matter. I'm picking the Bucks here regardless. Uh, with Lawrence, without Lawrence, my brother's going to end up taking the Jaguars. Over-under in that game is 42. So now the other game, we talked about Dolphins-Cowboys, so we're going to bounce to the third and final of the 4 o'clock on Sunday. That's Bears-Cardinals. This game in Chicago. Bears favored by 4. 43 is the over-under. Uh, give both of us Chicago here. I was kind of leaning toward the Cardinals for a little bit. Um, I mean, right now the Cardinals are a trifecta. They have the Sharps, the tickets, and the money all on them. But uh, I don't know. I, I The Bears, I'll give them a little bit of love here. Uh, four points is a lot. That's the one point I don't like about it. Uh, but, you know, enough for me to go there. My brother's already. He's committed. So uh, we'll both be with Chicago. Night game, stinkeroo. I mean, come on. I mean, it's the Broncos versus the Patriots. This game in Denver. Denver's still fighting along to be in the playoff hunt. The Patriots have been out of it for eons. The Broncos are 7.5-point favorites here. 35.5 is the over-under. Give my brother and I both the Patriots. 7.5 points is just too many points for the Broncos. And Patriots' defense is okay. I mean, I don't know if they've all punched out for the year or not, but, I mean, 7.5 points to, to Denver? Not to mention, look, these are two coaches who are going to end up being... I don't know, historic, historic is the right word, but I mean, they're going to be, you know, legends in their own right. They both won Super Bowls. Uh, I think at one point they, I think they coached together, but I'd have to really dig deep on that one. I, I They might have, maybe not, because Peyton was with the Giants, but Belichick was way past that. Maybe they didn't coach with each other. But regardless, I don't think that Belichick's going to want to give an easy one here to McVeigh, uh, McVay to Peyton. Seven and a half points. I mean, you know, that'd be pretty insulting if Peyton gets the better by seven and a half points. So give us both the Patriots there, although that logic is probably not what my brother was thinking. Then we've got the three games that are left, the final game. These are all the Christmas games, that is. Three final games that are left. What do you mean the three final games? Three Christmas games, you dummy. Oh, jeez. Moron. Chiefs, Raiders, in Kansas City. Ten and a half points in favor of the Chiefs. 41 is the over-under. Give my brother and I both the Chiefs. And then the final game to talk about, because we already talked about 49ers-Ravens. 
is going to be Philadelphia versus New York. That being the Eagles versus the G-Men. The Eagles here have flown up the spread board as spreadboard? They don't talk about it that way. 13.5 points is the spread now. It was 10.5 when I looked at this earlier in the week, and so they've gotten a whole full field goal ahead of that now for Philadelphia. Over-under is 43. My brother is going to end up taking the Eagles here. 13.5 is too many points for me. I, I, Giants did not look good last week. They do not have a good roster. Uh, you know, the Tommy Cutlass thing was nice, and it's a fun thing to root for, but you know, on the road here in Philadelphia, it's going to be a real tough ask. I just think that 13 and a half is too many points. And I, you know, the gambler in me has got to look at that and say, shit, I got to take the dog here in the 13 and a half. I, I mean, the Giants defense has been okay. If, you know, Cutlets plays, you know, somewhat or somewhat all right, you know, I mean, it's a division game here and the Giants aren't technically out of it. It's just too many points. So uh, I think uh, all things considered, the Eagles should cover, but I, I just can't do it. So my brother's going to take Philadelphia, and I am going to take the Giants. Talked about the 49ers Ravens already, so that leaves us one down, and that is going to be all of our bets. Fourth down. So we always start by giving our best bets of the week. I am going to take Miami minus two. My brother is going to end up taking Kansas City in a ten and a half. As for our Super Contest picks, our top five picks of the week, my brother said Kansas City, but he's not going to put that in a Super Contest. He typically doesn't. He ticks five teams, but not his best bet. His five teams are going to be Cincinnati, Seattle, Chicago, Cleveland, and Miami. And we're going to have a little overlap there because for my Super Contest picks, I am also picking Cleveland and Miami. And I am actually taking Kansas City in a 10.5. So it's not my best bet, but it's in my Super Contest picks. It's his best bet and not in his Super Contest picks. All right, so so we are similar in those three games. Uh, I'm also going to take the Giants in that 13.5 and then San Francisco in the 6. So the Giants, again, I just talked about it. 13.5 is just too many points for me. Division rivalry game. And then San Francisco, I think this one just gets away a little bit on the road. Final game of the week. Um, you know, it, tough the way that San Francisco's playing, and six points is less than a touchdown. So, again, my brother and I both have Cleveland and Miami, and we're venturing uh, well, different paths there on out. So, as for gambling, my brother is ahead of me. I have 5,500 left in my bankroll with about 1,000 left in long, long-term bets. My brother, I think he said he's got 2,000 for long season bets and he's got 6800 6830 to be exact in his bankroll. So I'll let him go first. He's going to end up doing the following. He's very similar each week so am I. Uh he's going to do money line Arizona for 100 bucks. He's also going to do Buffalo spread for 100 bucks and then he's going to do two money line parlays. He's going to end up taking Cincinnati, Buffalo and Minnesota. So he loves Buffalo. Cincinnati is tonight's game. They're on the road against Pittsburgh. And then Minnesota, as we talked about, you're looking at Mullen versus Goff on the road. So he's going to go Minnesota, Buffalo, Cincinnati for 100. That'll return about 410 if he pulls that in. And then his other money line is going to be Jacksonville, Chicago, and Miami. So Miami's my best bet, so I love that. Jacksonville, I'm a little questionable about because I, I kind of like Tampa Bay at home there. 
But he's going to take Jacksonville. And then Chicago, we both have. Again, that's the game versus the Cardinals. Four-point spread. He just taking the money line here. So, again, his two money line parlays for the week. Cincinnati, Buffalo, Minnesota. And then Jacksonville, Chicago, and Miami. As for me, I am going to do a tease, a couple of parlays, and a couple of money lines. Money line parlays and parlays. So, and this is how I'm going to break it down. I'll do the tease first. Uh, I'm going to put a buck fifty on this one. I'm going to bring Kansas City down. I'm going to bring San Francisco down. I'm going to push Tennessee up. So Kansas City four and a half. San Francisco's just got to win, and then Tennessee can lose by nine and a half points. So I'm going to put one fifty for three ninety on that one. I was considering another teaser uh, with the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Giants jacking all those lines up. So Chargers would have been eighteen. Uh, Patriots 13 and a half and the Giants at 19 and a half but I really didn't get any you know good pull off of that so I just didn't think it was worth the money so I got off of that and then I decided you know what I'll go back and I'll do a, a money line a money line round robin uh, and so I'll, I did Minnesota Indianapolis and Tennessee I did each of those for 50 bucks uh, I thought they were all live dogs, and again, you know, when the dogs cover, they win. So let's do it that way. See, if we can't hit something there. Each one of those combinations is is two fifty or more. So a nice little return on the fifty bucks. And then I'll do another money line parlay. This one's going to be uh, not dogs. This is going to be well one dog, I guess. I'm doing San Francisco, Kansas City, and Miami. So three of the favorites that I think are going to end up winning, and then Tennessee, which is a dog. And I think that they end up winning at home against Seahawks again. And so 100 on that, that'll pull in 710. So again, San Francisco, Kansas City, Miami, and Tennessee. All the home teams taking a four-team home team money parlay, money line parlay. And then my two other parlays are going to be Miami and Kansas correlated. Uh, I, I couldn't figure out what I want to do with this. And so I'm going to do my, Miami and Kansas City. I have both of them in my super contests. I'm going to put 50 bucks on that. That's for 182 And then I'm going to throw in San Francisco along with those for another $50 bet, and that'll pull in 350 So it's a correlated parlay, parlay, Miami and Kansas City, and then Miami, Kansas City, and San Francisco, both of those for 50 bucks, And the two-team is for 182 and the uh, three-team is for 350 And that's all she wrote. So for me, from my brother, to all of you, to your families, to your bank accounts, we wish you a very, very, very Merry Christmas. So it's been uh, fun. I guess we probably will get one more in uh, before the new year, right? Because the new year is the following Monday or whatever. So we've got two shows here before 2024. But as the holidays, let's just all kick back, relax. Drink whatever you're drinking. Watch whatever games you're watching. And hopefully all of our horses come in. Just trying to think of some kind of gambling. Fucking idiot. That's what I came up with. Anyway. And that's all she wrote. I'm Doubt. Peace. Merry Christmas.